Hi, I'm Walter Lane, and you've tuned in to a sermon podcast from the Netherwood Park Church of Christ in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the first Sunday of 2019. It's good for us to start out a new year together. I'm going to do some beginning of the year things here at the beginning of our sermon, and then we'll move on to some other things. I want to start out by giving you a report, a final report on our 2018 Bible reading challenge. So collectively, we as a congregation reported reading 3,355 books of the Bible in 2018. 82 of us were participants in the challenge. I know others read and did things, but 82 of us read and reported what we were reading, so 82 different people. And of that 82, 20 of us read at least 66 books of the Bible, which we presume means that they read through the entire Bible at least once. 66 books of the Bible read by 20 of us. And some of us read a lot more than 66 in 2018. And I've had several of you ask me if we're going to continue with the Bible reading challenge in 2019. And the answer to that question is absolutely we are going to continue with our Bible reading challenge. And we're going to continue with that challenge because we're going to continue to emphasize the importance of regular and disciplined Bible study. And we're going to continue the challenge because it's become an important means of motivation and accountability for many of us. And we're going to continue the challenge in the hopes that the 82 participants from last year will be participating this year and will be joined by a significant number of new participants in 2019. So if you haven't already started a Bible reading plan this year, I would strongly encourage you to start now. You can find a couple of good Bible reading plans on our website, netherwoodpark.com. Those Bible reading plans will guide you through the Bible in one year. You can also find any number of other good plans online. I'd encourage you just to find a plan that works for you. Start reading And don't forget to update your progress on a regular basis through our website. You've probably also noticed that we have new banners up here on the front. Banners reflect our new theme for 2019 on a mission. Once again, we also have wristbands, theme wristbands for you to take and for you to wear to help remind you of what our theme is for this year. We have two different colors, nice tasteful colors. We have two different sizes for you to choose from. You'll find the larger ones, the adult sizes, 
hanging up on both sides of the auditorium by where you can find the bulletins. You can find children's sizes or smaller sizes at the very back where you can find the children's bulletins. would encourage you to pick up at least one of those. Um, if you want both colors because you want to like switch them out with whatever outfit you're wearing, um, go ahead and take two. We ordered plenty. We understand that that's important to some people, so by all means do that. We ordered plenty of them. So our theme is on a mission. We introduced that phrase as our theme last week. And we said that it's a theme that's a, a natural and logical follow-up to last year's theme. Out of the boat, living uncomfortably. It's a natural outgrowth. It's a, it's a good follow-up because we understand that we don't get out of our boats and live uncomfortably just for discomfort's sake. Instead, we get out of our boats for the sake of mission. We get out of our boats and we move out on a mission because that's our identity. That's who we are. That's who we were made to be. That's what we have been recreated by God to do, is do mission. We get out of our boats and go on a mission because we are a chosen people. We are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. We are a people belonging to God that we may declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once we were not a people, but now we are the people of God. Once we had not received mercy, but now we have received the mercy of God. So over this next year, we'll be encouraging each other. We'll be pushing each other. We'll be prodding each other to embrace that identity. Chosen, royal, priestly, people belonging to God, people of the light, people who have received God's mercy. And we'll be encouraging each other to embrace that identity and to embrace the mission that comes with that identity. And today we're going to be asking and answering a question about mission. We're going to be asking just whose mission is it anyway? To whom does the mission to which we are called belong? Just whose mission is it anyway? And to help us get to the answer, let's start with some definitions. First, let me define the word mission, the way that we'll be using it. There are two important aspects of mission that we'll be focused on this morning. And first is the understanding that a mission is a specific task. It's a specific task with which a person or a group of people is charged. A mission is a task, it's a duty, it's an assignment. It's a responsibility given to a person or to a group of people. And it's given to them by someone else. Many of you probably have watched the Mission Impossible movies. And in those movies, how do those movies begin? Well, something like this. Good morning, Mr. Hunt. Your mission, should you decide to accept it, involves, and then some convoluted mission that they have to go on. And Ethan Hunt is given a specific task that's to be accomplished by his team. And that task has a pre-established objective, a pre-established purpose behind it. There's a reason behind that task that's been given. There are things to be done. There's a purpose for doing those things. 
So a mission is a specific task that's given to a person or a group of people, and that task has pre-established objectives, pre-established purposes. And so a missionary, what is a missionary? Well, a missionary is simply a person who is sent on a mission. So back to the Mission Impossible movies. When Ethan Hunt and his team accept the supposedly impossible mission, they become missionaries. They are people sent on a mission. So who owns that mission? Whose mission is it? Well, missions aren't like gifts. See, if I give you a gift and you accept that gift, ownership changes hands, doesn't it? It's no longer my ugly sweater. It's become your ugly sweater. You own it. I gave it to you and you accepted it. You own the gift. But when the director of IMF gives Ethan a mission and he accepts it, ownership doesn't change. It's still an IMF mission. Ethan and his team have embraced that mission, but they don't take over ownership of the mission. To use a military example, when a lieutenant and his platoon accept a mission from Army headquarters, they're embracing that Army mission. But they aren't taking over ownership of that mission. It's still the Army's mission. Well, why is that important to us? Well, it's important to us because that's the same way that God's people are called to mission. We're called to accept and to embrace God's mission. But he owns the mission. He's the one who has predetermined what must be done. He's the one who has pre-established the objectives and the purposes of his mission. He's the sender. We're the sent. He owns the mission. We're his missionaries. To help us understand how this works, we're going to quit talking about Ethan Hunt, and instead we're now going to talk about Father Abraham. You know, there are many different ways to view Abraham and many different ways to view his pivotal role in God's great redemption story. This morning we're going to look at just one way that we can view Abraham. And that way is viewing Abraham, seeing Abraham as a missionary, as a missionary sent on God's mission. So I want you to listen as Abraham has his mission impossible moment with God. You'll find it in Genesis chapter 12. I'll start reading with verse 1, Genesis 12, 1. The Lord said to Abram, his name will be changed to Abraham later in his life. The Lord said to Abram, leave your country. Leave your people and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all people on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left and as the Lord had told him and his nephew Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan and they arrived there. 
Abram, your mission, should you decide to accept it, is to leave your country, leave your family, and go. And if you will accept that mission, if you will go, here's what's going to happen. I promise to give you a new land. And if you go, here's what I promise. I promise to give you descendants. In fact, I promise that out of you will come great nations. And if you'll go, I promise that your name will become great. And if you'll go, I promise that all the people on earth will be blessed through you. Those are some remarkable promises, aren't they? Especially considering that these are promises given to a 75-year-old man who is childless. A 75-year-old man who lives among idol worshipers. But God says, if you go, I will. There will be land and there will be descendants. There will be a great name. There will be blessings on everyone on earth through you. So a natural question to ask right here is, why Abraham? Why does God seem so determined to give Abraham so much? And my answer may surprise you. My answer is, these promises aren't really about Abraham. See, God's mission, God's pre-established purpose isn't to bless Abraham. That's not what God is doing here. Abram isn't God's mission. No, Abraham is God's missionary. These promises ultimately aren't about Abram. Instead, what these promises do is they show how God's going to accomplish his mission through Abram if Abram will embrace God's mission. So where does Abram fit in? What's his mission? What's his role in all of this? With what task has Abram been charged by God? Some important things to notice. One thing that we should notice is that God doesn't task Abram with finding a land and making a great nation. No, God says, I'll take care of that. And he doesn't task Abram with making his name great. God says, no, I'll take care of that. And God doesn't task Abram with blessing all the people on earth. God says, I'll take care of that. I'll do that. I'll do it through you. Now, Abram's task, Abram's mission is much simpler. It's much more basic than those missions. Abram's mission is to go when sent. Abram's mission is to go where he's sent. Abram's mission is to be faithful. His mission is to be faithful to his God and faithful to his role in God's mission. Abram's mission is to be obedient. His mission is to be obedient to his God and obedient to his role in God's mission. Simply put, Abram's mission is to embrace God and embrace God's mission. So Abram isn't the mission. He is God's missionary. But as we read in Hebrews chapter 11, Abram was an effective missionary, right? He was successful, right? Well, I'm not so sure that we would always say that he was that. It's kind of tricky to figure out. It's tricky to figure out because of how we usually determine success and how we usually determine effectiveness. 
I was thinking about this. If I was delivering the eulogy at Abraham's funeral, and if my, yeah, that's, that's a stretch, I know. And my understanding was that Abraham's mission on earth, his mission in life, his mission from God was to claim and possess the land of Canaan. If my understanding was that Abraham's mission on earth was to leave behind a great number of people who had been made into great nations. If my understanding was that Abraham would be a success only if his name was known and honored far and wide. If I would only count Abraham a success, if I measured his effectiveness by the number of people who would come forward at his funeral and testify about how they and their people had been blessed by Abraham. If that was my understanding about success in life for Abraham, if I was giving an honest eulogy at a funeral, I'd have to stand up and say, you know, Abraham was a failure in every area. Land, nation, name. You know, even if I waited a couple of generations to evaluate Abraham's life, and if I evaluated his life on those same dimensions... I was evaluating Abraham's life as I was watching his grandson Jacob and Jacob's sons and Jacob's grandsons and their families as they're trooping off to Egypt, trooping off to Egypt to avoid starvation. I'd have to say Abraham had failed in his mission, land, nation, name. And if I waited even generations beyond that, just to see Abraham's descendants enslaved in Egypt. Mighty in number, but certainly not a nation, and definitely without a land. And with Abraham's name all but forgotten. You'd have to say Abraham failed his mission. But that wasn't his mission. His mission wasn't land and nation and name and blessings. That was God's mission. And it is God's mission. Abraham's mission was to be faithful. His mission was to be obedient to his God and to his role in God's mission. So instead of my eulogy for Abraham, this is Abraham's eulogy. Written by the author of Hebrews He says this about Abraham in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. He says, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. Verse 17, by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. 
He who had received the promise was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead. And figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. Verse 39, the conclusion of the eulogy, I'll paraphrase here. Abraham was commended for his faith, even though he did not himself receive what had been promised. Land, nation, and name. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would Abraham be made perfect. So what made Abraham an effective missionary? Well, he was an effective missionary because he embraced his God and he embraced his role in God's mission. Because he was faithful, because he was obedient to God. And God's mission. Why was Abraham effective? Well, when he was sent, he went. Even though he didn't know where he was going. Why was he effective? Well, he was effective because when promised something that seemed impossible, he trusted that God was faithful to his promises. He not only trusted that God was faithful to keeping his promises, he believed in God's power to affect those promises, even when those promises seemed impossible, even if that meant bringing Isaac back from the dead. So God worked. God worked powerfully to accomplish his mission through his missionary, through Abraham, because Abraham was faithful And Abraham was obedient. And so what God did through Abraham gives us a number of lessons, a number of mission lessons. See, I believe we should walk away from Abraham's story knowing that God will accomplish his mission. And he will accomplish his mission because he's faithful to his promises. And because he has the power to accomplish those promises. We should also walk away from the story of Abraham, recognizing that God will accomplish his purposes and his mission in his way. Not in my way, not in your way, but in his way. And he'll accomplish his purposes in his way through often surprising events. And he'll accomplish his mission through often surprising people. Surprising events like a birthright sold for a bowl of stew. God will work through surprising events like a brother who sold into slavery. God will work through surprising events like a baby who's put into a basket to float on a river and a Red Sea parting to provide escape. God will work through surprising events like a virgin birth, like a criminal's death. And like resurrection from the dead. And God will also work through surprising people. Surprising people like Abraham. And Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. Surprising people like Rahab and David and Bathsheba. And surprising people like a young virgin village girl named Mary. God will accomplish his mission. He'll do it in his way 
oftentimes through surprising events and surprising people. So if we will embrace our identity as missionaries, we must also understand and embrace that God will accomplish his mission in his way and he will accomplish his mission in his time. And so as we enter this new year, as we're determined to focus on accepting our role in God's mission, there's some lessons that I want us to take forward with us. Lesson number one is this. Just like God's mission wasn't created for Abraham, his mission wasn't created for us as his church. Listen to that carefully. Just like God's mission wasn't created for Abraham, his mission wasn't created for us as his church. God didn't create his church and then try to figure out something for us to do. That's not how God works. No, God's mission was pre-established. His mission existed long before the church, long before us. And the church and the individual members of that church were made for God's mission. It didn't work the other way around. Mission wasn't created for the church. The church was created. The church was made for God's mission. That's lesson number one. Lesson number two, like Abraham... Our mission is to be faithful. Our mission is to be obedient to God, to be obedient to his mission and to our role in his mission. You see, our mission is the same as Abraham's mission. Our mission is to go when we're sent, even when we don't know where we're going. Our mission is the same as Abraham's. Our mission is to always trust that our God is always faithful to his promises. Our mission is the same as Abraham's. Our mission is to believe in God's power. To believe in God's power to keep his promises even when those promises seem impossible. So brothers and sisters, may we embrace our role as God's missionaries by being faithful, by being obedient, by going when we're sent, by going where we're sent by trusting in God's faithfulness, by believing in his great power. And may we embrace our missionary role by expecting God to continue to work through surprising people, even people like us. Let's pray. Father, help us to embrace our identity. Father, we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. Father, we are people who have received your mercy. Father, we are people who have been adopted as your sons and daughters. So, Father, help us to also embrace our role as your missionaries. Father, give us greater faith. Father, give us greater obedience. Father, give us greater trust and belief. And Father, lead us out of our boats and out into the world. Father, so that we can continue to play our role in your great story of redeeming the world. And Father, we pray this through Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen.
Well, since it's the first Sunday of 2019, we're going to have missional challenge number one. This is a trusting and believing challenge. You know, in order for us to truly trust in God's faithfulness, to truly believe in his power, we must know about God and we must know God. And to know about God and to know God, one thing that must happen is we must know his word. It must become a part of us. It must become embedded in us. It must become part of our identity. So I challenge you this week to commit to making frequent Bible reading a part of your 2019 routine. Won't you take that challenge? Let's end this morning by standing and singing praises to our God, our God who is alive. Say your life, O shepherd.